Good morning. Welcome everyone back to Held and Healed. It is just a growing platform that I am sharing resources of people that have helped me on my healing journey. And I desire that this podcast be a resource filled with resources. So it's exciting to hear uh, the feedback that's coming from people as they're listening to these different episodes and the truth and the revelation that they are getting along the way. So today we have a very special guest, Miss Joy Forrest from Called to Peace. Welcome, Joy. Thanks, Heather. Thanks for having me. So I met you through the Give Her Wings Academy. I pretty much put a plug in for them almost every week because that's how I've met so many amazing people. And do you remember what episode you covered in that? I talked about trauma on that. Okay. So I was introduced to you and two called to peace. And of course, as soon as I would listen to a lesson, I would just go start finding all the people because to me, it's really important to connect resources to needs. And this um, held and healed group that I have on Facebook that the podcast then kind of came out of that is a place where I would take all that I was learning because I knew it wasn't just for me. I knew personally many women. And then I knew that for everyone that I know, there are thousands that I don't know that need the hope and the restoration and the redemption that these ministries offer. So I resonated so much with you and grabbed your book and read through it. And actually this evening we are launching in the Held and Heal group, we are launching a book study of your book. So I'm really excited to help women um, walk through the material that you have offered. So why don't you just start out by telling us some of your journey and your story that brought you to this place? Well, um, I basically was a victim of domestic abuse for 23 years of my life, but didn't recognize it until about the end of the that time that I had together with my, la- my ex-husband. And um, so when I was, I know, all I know is that when I was in it, I was extremely confused, always reaching out for help. Anytime we would have an incident, we would go, um, you know, we would have good times in between and things seemed to be getting stable. And I thought, well, things are okay now. We're past the, all the worst of it, but inevitably it would always come back. Um, and so um, we, when we would have a crisis and again, it wasn't physically abusive for the first 11 years of our relationship. So we dated eight years through high school and college and then um got married after eight years and we still had another three years of marriage um, where there was no physical abuse. There was no um, physical harm anyway. I know there were times where he would block me in a room and not let me out. Um, And so those things I now realize were physical intimidation, but at the time I did not recognize it as domestic abuse. So over time it got progressively worse and um, and became pretty violent, in fact. And even then, I didn't call it domestic abuse. I just thought he had lost control. He, did, he couldn't really help himself. Um, and again, in all those times, I would reach out for help and usually would go to my church first. And my pastors did not know what to do except to invite us in for marital counseling. Well, if you know anything about domestic abuse, you know marital counseling does not work. In fact, it usually makes things worse, and it did. It gave him ammunition, and so 
um, basically this went on um, and again, got getting progressively worse. It actually got better for a short while. I read um, Love Must Be Tough back in uh, probably about three years into the marriage when it had, when we had had some violent episodes and I started calling the police every time he looked like he was going to get physically violent. And so that stopped the physical abuse for a while um, until I started staying home full time after he, um, he was a physician. And once he started making money, I wanted to be at home with my kids. And so then the physical violence started creeping back in and it got really, really life threatening there at the end. And so during that time, I remember just reaching out for help. I reached out to my pastor. My pastor did not know what to do. He finally just said, I don't know what to do. It felt really upsetting that when I would call and, um, you know, ask people, could somebody just go over there? He's chopping up and burning my furniture. He's doing this. He's doing that. Would anybody just try to tell him that he can't get away with this? But nobody even challenged him. They just... Mm. Um, it seemed like that he was able to get away with whatever he wanted to get away with. Mm. And, and my pastor, you know, tried marital counseling, which made, was really deadly at that particular point. And then finally he said, I don't know what to do. And he gave me the card for a divorce attorney. And all I could think was this man doesn't know Jesus because, um, doesn't he know God hates divorce? That was my, Mm. my theology had become to the point that I, I believe that God hated divorce more than he loved me. Mm. And so my view of God had become very skewed, but I didn't even realize that at the time. Um, when I would reach out to um, even law enforcement, because it was so um, scary at this point, I would call the police and they one, one time they said, ma'am, does he own weapons? And I said, yes. And they said, well, do you think he would use them on us? And I said, I don't know. So when I called 911, when he threatened us um, about at least half the time, they didn't come at all. <laughs> oh my, that is astounding to me. Yes, it was astounding to me. That was, that yeah. should not, that should not be that, that is, that is terrifying. So they yeah. were, they were asking you if he owned weapons and then they were scared for their own lives. So they didn't respond to you. Exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. We were in a mm-hmm. small rural area. And so I would have to get mm-hmm. my kids up if I, if he was threatening and we would drive an hour to the nearest town to get a hotel so that I could be safe. Mm-hmm. And then finally I borrowed a gun from a friend that I didn't really know how to use. And mm-hmm. actually the day that one time that he showed up at the house threatening me, I totally didn't even think to go get it. Probably a good thing. But um, all of those things that I, that happened, I, you know, I thought that he had lost it. I thought that he needed to be hospitalized because he was threatening to kill me and he was threatening to kill himself. And I tried to get him committed and they didn't commit him. In fact, then he got mad at me for trying to do that. I finally ended up going to back then I had to file a warrant for his arrest for, for physical battery. And I think a protective order was part of that. It was, you know, I was in another state and, um, and actually, um, they didn't arrest him. What they did is they put a warrant for his arrest on his door. He worked, he was an emergency room physician and he worked about an hour away and he was gone for two or three days when he came back um, home. He saw it on his door and he was livid. And then he started threatening me even more. So it just, everything that I tried to do to get help made things worse made it more made it more dangerous for you yeah yeah yeah. and so I finally said Lord if you help me live through this I will help other women in this situation wow I couldn't believe the barriers yeah 
And so um, in a, a year after our um, last separation, I finally moved back to North Carolina, which is where I grew up. And, uh, and I told the pastor in my church, uh, his wife and him, I said, look, if you ever have anybody in domestic violence, I have a heart for that. I'd be glad to help. And, I, and God had actually done a lot of healing in my life um, through some Bible studies that he had um, strategically placed in my life at the exact right time. So it helped me work through forgiveness. It helped me work through understanding God's goodness and look, looking for God's heart instead of the letter of the law that finally re- released me from this, my marriage is more important than my life mentality. Mm, but, amen. But when I got here, I told my, them I, I'd like to help if there's anybody in the church. And it didn't take long. And soon I had I found myself helping women. And there was a woman that came into my Sunday school class one morning. And her husband had tried to strangle her before church. And um, somebody went to get the pastor. And I was telling her, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to put up with this. Of course, I was new. I hadn't had any training in advocacy. So I invited her and her three children home to live with me and my two girls. And um, pastor came in and prayed with her that morning. And he said, um, you know, the church is here for you. We're going to be here to support you, whatever. And then that was Sunday. On Monday, I got a call from him saying, you know, I've talked to her father-in-law who I don't know if this had anything to do with it, but he basically was quite wealthy and I'm sure gave money to the church. But he said this woman, he says that this woman is not stable. He says, really, in these cases, it's just too hard to tell who's telling the truth. So you do what you think is right. But the church is backing out. Wow. But, mm, yeah. Mm. But not only did the church back out, but they told the father-in-law where she was staying. So I had an angry man show up at my house threatening and um, I ended up having to take her to a domestic violence shelter. And so this was the year 2000 or 1999, I believe. And I um, took her up there. And I, while she was talking to the advocate, I started telling them a little of my story and told them I'd love to volunteer with them. And a, a few weeks after that, they called and said, would you be willing to tell your story at our candlelight vigil? It's October Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I thought, ooh. I don't speak in public, <laughs> so, uh, but I knew God hadn't brought me through all of that to keep my mouth shut. So I said, yes. And I prayed my way up there because I was so scared. I mean, speaking in public was one of my number one fears in life. And so mm-hmm. when I got up there, I prayed, I was nervous at the beginning, but it felt like the, the Holy Spirit took over. And I don't remember what I said, except that you will know the truth that the truth will set you free has, was how it ended. And a board member of uh, the organization that I was speaking for uh, stood up and hugged me on my way back to my seat. And then a few more weeks later, they called and they said, we have a position as our, a community educator position, somebody who would speak on behalf of, the, of our organization. Would you be interested? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, what? I don't speak in public, right? Still thinking that. But I'm going, OK, this is God. This has got to be God. So. I ended up taking that position and I worked there for a little over a year. And I tell people that God put me there to be educated because when I was there, I watched Christian women coming in through that program saying things like, why does my pastor care more about my marriage than my life? Mm -hmm. Why does Mm -hmm. my pastor keep sending me back to this angry man? Why doesn't my pastor see what this is doing to my kids? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it just broke my heart. Where's the church? Where's the church? church. That's Mm -hmm. just 
you know, the biggest thing on my heart. And so um, I stayed there for a season. It was time to move on. And then in 2004, God clearly, I have never had anything so clear in my life, called me to seminary to take, I knew I was just supposed to take a counseling class. And um, to specifically, I couldn't sleep for two or three weeks. And, um, I kept going, God, I think you're trying to tell me something, but you're going to have to be very more specific <laughs> or you're going to have to hit me over the head. Cause I'm just not getting it. And so after two and a half, uh, weeks of no sleep, it, this thought popped into my head that I should take a Tuesday afternoon counseling class. And the professor's name even came to my mind because I had reached out to those professors when I worked at the, um, domestic violence shelter, but um, I actually thought, well, it's bound to be too late. It was the 13th of January, 2004. And I went over to the seminary, which happens to be in my hometown. And um, sure enough, there was a Tuesday afternoon counseling class with that professor. And when I signed up, I could sleep. <laughs> so um, that led me to getting a degree in biblical counseling, which I wasn't familiar with what biblical counseling was. Um, at the time, I felt like some of the ways that they interpreted it was really the nuthetic counseling that a lot of people are really have had bad experiences with and I did think that a lot of it was harsh but I also believe that there was power in um in God's word to heal because that's where my healing had come from so I ended up um going to the seminary and then uh, shortly after I'm when I enrolled, I got to know that professor somewhat, and he actually ended up taking a job at my church and uh, leading up a counseling program. And so that landed me as the only woman counselor in a church with about 2,000 members. Oh, my. Wow. And so, as you can imagine, I ended up with lots of mm -hmm. um, domestic abuse cases. And so mm -hmm. I got to see, and I, I really didn't un really know the I think a lot of times when you're not in ministry, you don't know what goes on in ministry. And I think you would know that because you have <laughs> been in ministry, right? Right, right. And I didn't I guess I didn't understand their the way that they interpreted certain passages about women. But at some point it became it started feeling like to me it was boys against the girls in some mm -hmm. capacity. And they would say things to the women like, well, now you need to submit as long as he's not asking you to sin. And so um, just, again, my heart was crying and, and grieved about the fact that, Lord, this is not right. This is not right. What's happening to your daughters is not right. And so it just started building a fire in me. I, can't, I can only describe it as a fire, mm -hmm. that we have got to do something to get the churches on board because the church is the one that should be offering God's healing balm to women, not oppressing them further. And so um, in 2015, I just put a post out. I was kind of frustrated about something that had happened and put a post out on Facebook and asked if there's anybody interested in starting a domestic violence ministry. And sure enough, 12 people showed up for that first meeting. I don't have any of those original people, but, but that was when Called to Peace Ministries was birthed. And since uh, we got our nonprofit status at the end of 2016, and so 2017 was our first year as a nonprofit, and that was the year we started our support groups with curriculum I had written already. I had been teaching Bible studies in my church and you know, just things that God had brought me through in my healing process. And so we started um, with our support groups in March of 2017, and by the end of the year, almost 300 women had reached out to us. 
And then um, in 2018, I want to say that that number more than doubled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 2019, it was 1,200 people. And then in 2020, it was over 2,000 new people in addition to the people we were already serving. That's incredible. The need is so great. Yes. And so what has happened is I tell people I feel like I'm on a stream that's God's stream and I'm just riding it because God has done amazing things. And we have started programs like our advocacy program um, that is it's very heavy duty. I mean, it's it's almost 100 hours of training if you do it over the course of a year. Um, And Dr. Deborah Wingfield, who God brought every it's like I'll say, God, you know, we need this. And all of a sudden somebody will come who can provide that. And so Dr. Wingfield had. taught uh, advocacy um, with the Colorado State Coalition Against Domestic Abuse. She's taught nationally with the um, Institute uh, Against Violence and uh, Abuse. No, well, anyway, IVAT, Institute um, Violence and Abuse Training or something like that. And this is terrible because I spoke there last year and I'm probably bumbling. It, but <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We'll find her. Yeah. Anyway, and so she had taught these courses on a master's degree level and she had taught these courses um, for state coalitions. And she came in, you know, people had been asking me, would you teach some advocacy courses? And I thought, I don't have time to write the curriculum. And I had taken the advocacy courses with our state coalition. But Dr. Deborah walks into my office one day and she says, I've got 30 courses I've written on domestic abuse and advocacy. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And I thought, well, you know, I've got people who want to take classes, but I don't have time to create the curriculum. Right, right. That's the beauty. We do not have to reinvent the wheel. My, (laughs) my, My group, like the whole purpose of that group is to share things that are already done. I do Mm -hmm. not have to go and create a blog post or a podcast on every topic because who has that kind of energy, that kind of time? (laughs) That's (laughs) right. Who has that kind of brain cells? I don't. So Sarah um, McDougall does. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She is the exception. Absolutely. <laughs> but we are a community that just, we rally together. We support each other. We use each other's materials. We, we like, you know, uh, what's the word? Refer people to each other. Like it's such a beautiful community. Mm-hmm. It is so powerful because we know that no one person apart from God alone has all that these people need. But we know that if we each do our own little part and we share, like a, an example is this morning in your support group on Facebook, someone was looking for like a retreat, a place where they could go to get away and just really spend intense time with trained, you know, people that could help them. And so I jumped into another support group. Mm-hmm. And I asked that question and several recommendations were made. I didn't even know a place like that existed before this morning, huh. but you have not because you asked not. <laughs> That's right. That's so right. as we all just rally and pull together and share the tips and the tidbits. And another thing I say is just because I share something from someone that I resonated with a particular post doesn't mean I agree 100% with every single thing they share. Yeah. But I'm saying that in this moment, the best that I can vet this particular individual, they seem like they agree and they align with my beliefs and with biblical, you know, concepts. And so I'm sharing now if they go off the rails next month or next year, I can go and remove all their content from my group. Yeah. <laughs> so but yeah. for today, for right now, like this particular truth bomb ministered to someone and I want to pass it on to somebody. 
Yeah. So um, I wanted to, I kind of got ahead of myself. Let me read the back of your cover because it, I should have done this in the very beginning to intro, <laughs> to intro you. So we were having some technical glitches and we just kind of went for it. So you hold an MA in biblical counseling from Southeastern B- uh, Baptist Theological Seminary. You're the executive director of Called to Peace Ministries, certified as a victim's advocate with the North Carolina Coalition Against Domestic Violence and have worked with survivors of abuse since 1997. That's incredible. That's credible. You have helped establish Call to Peace Ministries in order to provide hope and healing to victims of domestic abuse, sexual assault, and emotionally destructive relationships. So that's kind of, in summary, who you are. Your book is a survival guide um, to finding peace and healing after domestic abuse. And what I love about it is it's one part your story and a memoir and the other part a guidebook. So easy to read in that it's easy to comprehend. It doesn't have a bunch of big words that I have to go look up. Not easy to read because your story is hard and your story is heartbreaking. So I like to just say it's easy to read in the, in the aspect of, yes, I can read this and my brain understands and comprehends. But you realize and I realize that it could be triggering for someone who has been through. Um, And so you even state that in the very beginning. And you're like, if you begin to trigger, then jump to this chapter. And here are some ways to help you get through those triggers. And then also the companion guidebook, workbook. um, It shares insightful questions and scripture passages to help you identify and reject lies. Heal from trauma. Surrender your hurt and anger to God. Learn to manage your emotions. Choose to forgive, know his love and goodness, know your worth, change your thinking, worship him, resist mistreatment, and learn healthy relational patterns. So I love that you don't just share your story, but then you give women practical application for moving forward. And I think that is what I appreciate so much about you. Some of the groups I'm a part of can be really caustic. And really just not a good environment. And I understand people do need to go through seasons of getting that stuff out. But what I love about you is that you give people space to be real. But then you're always encouraging to move move on, to heal, to grow. And then like you said to God, you said, if you get me out of this, I'm going to help other women. And you have, I believe, held up your end of the deal on that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you have held up your end of the deal. So I had a couple um, just comments or questions from what you shared before. So let's go back to the point and just say this again, because I think women need to hear this often. God loves you, a person, more than he loves your marriage and institution. Yes. That is like a light bulb that goes on when someone hears that. Sometimes it's the first time they've ever even considered that. And yeah. so we are here to say to women that get this, that God loves you, a person, more than he loves an institution, which is your marriage. Okay. That is really important. God wants his daughters to be safe and well. Yes. That's his heart. That's his character. That's who he is. (laughs) And um, I am sorry for churches that get this wrong. And I, as one person and one voice, you as another voice, we are here to say, that's not God. God loves you and he wants you to be safe and he wants you to be well. So to any woman who may be listening to this, that finds herself in that place right now where she is emotionally, spiritually, mentally, verbally, physically, sexually being assaulted on the regular, we are here to say that's not 
That's not God's desire and his will and his plan for you. And you have value and you have worth far greater than being mistreated like that. So, um, how did you then, um, just tell us a little bit about your healing journey. I know for you, scripture and music, worship music, um, that was all part of your healing. So just kind of like when you began your journey, what type of help did you finally receive? And then just sort of your healing journey. So I think that my healing journey is probably a little different from some, but I have actually met other women whose journey was exactly like mine. And I I think it was Holy Spirit inspired and um, just beautifully coordinated by him. So I had, when I was living in Virginia, I had, um, I had help, I was homeschooling and I was involved with a group of homeschool moms and we decided to start a Bible study. In fact, I just wanted to do a prayer meeting so I could get to know people and, you know, something fluffy. But my <laughs> friend Susan said, hey, um, I, I used to lead these uh, K. Arthur studies and I think they're really powerful. So she started us with one, a, a Lord book by K. Arthur. What's one of her more It's not as in-depth as the precept studies that we did later, but she started, we started with one called Lord, where are you when bad things happen? Mm. And, and this woman in the group said, Oh, I'm not going to take part in this one because every time I do something like anytime I do a study, God gives me life lessons and I don't, I'm not in the mood to be to suffer (laughs) right now. (laughs) I I feel her. I I, I get that woman. (laughs) And I said, Oh my goodness, don't be ridiculous. (laughs) No, just like you do not pray, God, give me patience because you know what's coming. (laughs) Yep. And so I thought, oh, that's so silly. And do you know, Mm. we did the study and I would say that within a few months of us completing that study, my whole world turned upside down. I mean, it got, Mm. it got so volatile Mm. and so dangerous. Um, But because of that study, I just remember we had videos that went with it. And I remember Kay Arthur talking about God um, lovingly, you know, that all the bad things, it's not that he brings about bad things. We live in a fallen world where bad things happen, but he will lovingly sift the things that happen to us and us through his loving hands. And he, in, in order to um, work his good purposes in our lives and he hasn't fallen off the throne and he's still in control. Mm-hmm. Then I, and I say in my book, it's so it's good to know that he's in control, but it's not good to know he's in control if you don't think he's good. Right. That's good. Yeah. That's, Be- that's because a good point. If, yeah. If you don't know that his heart is for you, right. Then you're not going to be able to, you're going to run from him instead of run to him. True. And so that was part of the beginning of my understanding God and his character And so then as things got really, really worse in my own life, I don't know if Susan did it just for my benefit, but the next study we did was called Lord Heal My Hurts. And Mm. I was so angry at the time. I mean, so, so angry that it was causing physical ailments in my body. I had, I'd gone to the emergency room twice with neck pain, thinking I had a slip disc and they're like, your muscles are just that tight. Yeah, they are. I was having GI issues, everything. And I remember picking up the book and thinking, Lord, how can I forgive him? I mean, the things that he had done were just, you know, awful and beyond what he had done to me, what he, what it was doing to my children. It was just more than I could bear. And I remember that going through that book and it was a study of the books of Jeremiah and part of parts of uh, Matthew 18. And I, I started it saying, Lord, how can I forgive him? And it was such a powerful study that at the end I thought, Lord, how can I not forgive? 
and I was able to let go. And it, and I began to understand what forgiveness really was because for me, always forgiveness meant reconciliation, but no, that's not what it really means. Right. That's right. And it also, and I thought that I would have to trust him again if I forgave him, but no, that's not what it means. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to work through the, the healing, uh, the, the big part of healing that comes through forgiveness um, through that book. And then I, I journaled a lot. I journaled out my prayers. I had gone to multiple counselors and really nobody knew how to hit on what I was going through. And so I just feel like it was God's grace and mercy that he brought those studies into my life at the right time. So I actually, when I separated from him, I wasn't working and I spent hours a day studying and just pouring over scripture and journaling things and talking to God and working things out in my head, you know, like my... Um, my beliefs were so twisted. My own belief in scripture had worked against me. And so I began to untangle the fact that he wasn't against me and that he didn't love my marriage more than he loved me, that he loved me more. Mm -hmm. You know, Psalm 56, there were specific Psalms. I lived in the Psalms for a while and parts of Isaiah that really spoke to me. And I took those scriptures and I posted them all over the walls of my house And when I felt overwhelmed, like the whole system was against me because I was going for help and nobody was there to help me. Psalm 56, it says, this I know God is for me. He's for me. So I kept reminding myself, God is on my side. He's collecting my tears in his bottle. He loves me. Yes. And so as I began to meditate on the truth of who God was and what, how he saw me truly, instead of what I had been telling myself, um, the healing started to come to me. I think now knowing what I know about brain trauma, I think I could have healed a lot faster if I had recognized that what I was doing that was bringing the healing. But when I look back on it now, I know we know that trauma is held in a part of the brain that is not really affected by our logic. So we can Mm -hmm. say to ourselves, Oh, you're okay. You're okay. But then when a trigger happens, something that reminds you of the trauma, you automatically go back into your body goes back into the same um, fear and panic that you felt when the trauma was happening. Yeah. And so, but when you are meditating, when you start meditating on God's truth, um, and to me, it was truly meditation. It wasn't just saying, okay, God is for me. Mm. It was praying it and saying it over and over and over again, almost like a mantra, you know, because we do know, like, and you think about in, even in the, Middle Eastern, Israel is part Middle Eastern, right? And I know that even to this day, they will meditate on scriptures over and over and over again. And Mm -hmm. so we did, we don't know much about meditation in the United States, but that's what I was doing. I was praying that scripture to God. I was praying it back to him over and over again. And, um, and I found that for me that worship was very powerful because it made God bigger than my abuser because mm-hmm. he had become the biggest part of my life. He had become bigger than God in my life. Mm-hmm. I lived in constant fear of him. I'm I'm so amazed because for me, worship has definitely been a huge uh, weapon in the battle uh, all my life, truly, because I grew up in a musical family and I was... I was singing by age eight, leading worship by age 16. And it literally has carried me and sustained me and held me up. And I can hear worship songs from 20 and 30 years ago. And I can remember the battle I was in at that moment. Mm -hmm. I can remember the words that I sang over myself or when I was too weak to even sing myself that I just played over myself. And what is really amazing to me 
um, is that I led worship for decades with my abuser and my accuser right beside me. Mm-hmm. And yet I do not trigger when I hear songs uh-huh. because my worship was always for God. Mm-hmm. My worship was a sacrifice of praise through agony and pain every single week that I went through just to stand there and to sing. It was, it was war. And I can hear those songs now and not trigger because it was always for my Jesus and never for any man or any institution or any pastor. It was always for him. <laughs> That's right. And it's probably helping keep you, keep you, you know, and it was keeping you yes, from yes. completely losing it. It was literally, it was literally a wall between me and the enemy. Truly it was. And I'm just, I'm baffled by that. I'm like, well, why can I hear, you know, other songs and be triggered? But when it's worship, it's just not that way. Now it will definitely remind me and bring back a memory, but I'm not like losing it every time I hear. And cause I, I'm happy about that because it would be hundreds of songs that I wouldn't be able to listen to. <laughs> yeah, well, praise God. <laughs> so yeah, and I even still have like my CD collection. I know nobody does that, but I can't part with it because those CDs were just weapons. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't really want to get rid of these until I know I can find them somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about how you came up with the name called to peace. Mm-hmm. Well, as as I've said before, I thought that God cared more about my marriage than my life. My parents had divorced when I was in high school and it really hurt me. And I, my dad, my mom said, would you go to counseling? And he said, no. And so I, I I think we stay messed up uh, emotionally a lot of times, or we start to believe things that keep us dysfunctional. And what I did at that time was said, I said to myself, I will never divorce. People Mm -hmm. who divorce just don't try hard enough. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is not true. That's right. That's <laughs> I, right. I can say I've proven that now. <laughs> That's right. Everything. Um, and so I, I was really agonizing. I tried everything. We even went to a program that was domestic abuse specific finally, um, you know, the, the year that we separated. And things just kept strangulation attempt. And, um, you know, at some point I finally had to be willing to leave. But what happened is I was reading first Corinthians seven one day. And every time I would read that passage, it would say, if the unbeliever wants to go. And I thought, well, Lord, he says he's a believer and he Mm -hmm. doesn't want to go, let him go. In such cases, the believing spouse is not under bondage because God has called us to peace. Mm. Well, that day, instead of reading it with a looking for the letter of the law, I was looking at God's heart and I realized, oh, Lord, it it felt like that scripture just it poured all over me. And I said, Lord, I haven't had peace in 23 years. Mm. And it was like God said, Joy, I do care more about you than your marriage. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was it was that in that moment that he released me. God released me. Um, and told me, you know, I'm not telling you to, he didn't say, go get a divorce, but he said, if this man ever changes, I, you will know it will yes. be so apparent. Yes. You don't have to be looking for it because I would go, if he'd move one step in my direction, oh, he's changing. And I'm mm-hmm. back, I'm back in there and I'm, I'm making things way worse because I'm going back too quickly. And yeah. I'm, and so the Lord really assured me that I could trust him and that I could move on, that I didn't have to stay in that limbo that I'd been in for the last year. Um, and that if, if he ever, ever really did change, then the Lord would let me know. And he didn't. Uh-huh. So, um, 
you know, but, but, and God set me free through that passage. And so that passage is just so important to me. And, and I don't know, I think I, um, I had started writing my book probably right after I got out, it would have been a novel about a thousand pages long, but the Lord, <laughs> would, he would not let me publish it yet. I had to wait until it was the right time. And I, you know, it, it changed multiple times over the years, <laughs> but mm-hmm. so I've actually shortened down the story because I really, but I knew that the title for that book was going to be called mm-hmm. to peace mm-hmm. because that's what God spoke to my heart. He spoke peace to my heart. Um, it says in other places in scripture, God has called us to peace. And so, you know, he doesn't ask us and he does not require us to stay in a place where people are oppressing us. In fact, scripture has a whole lot to say about oppression Amen. and that God hates it. Yes, he does. He does. Absolutely. Well, I love that you wrote it so that someone who is coming through and barely keeping their head above water, it is it is a doable read. And so I appreciate um, the, the shortness of it. I appreciate the simplicity of it um, because there are, there, <laughs> yes. And I, I appreciate that because there are a lot of books that I have read and that I'm going to read that are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages long. And to someone who is in barely surviving, they're not going to be able to feel yes. like they can conquer that. So you kept that woman in mind when you wrote this. And yes. I, I am super grateful. So I went down to North Carolina last month and attended the Call to Peace retreat that you hosted. 500 survivors. It was incredible. It was the first women's retreat I have ever attended where I felt truly safe and valued and validated and understood and that I went home to peace, which, oh, (laughs) I can't even put into words what it feels like to leave a setting like that where you experience community and the Holy Spirit's presence and then to actually leave there and go home and still feel that same peace. And I know a lot of women had to go home to less than that and my heart aches for them. But for me to be able to say I'm on the other side. And that I do have peace in my life and I'm experiencing joy in my life. Like, you know how many years I waited? Hmm. I didn't even, I didn't even know what those things were. I knew they were fruits of the spirit. I knew they were in there and I was like, joy and peace. I just do not, I don't get those things. I don't understand (laughs) those things. I don't feel those things. But for the first time, probably in my entire life, I feel joy. I feel peace in just incredible ways. And you and I get to collaborate in the fall in September And we are going to have our first annual Held and Healed Retreat here in Virginia. So if anybody is listening to this and wants to join us September 10 through 12 of 2021, if you're listening to this later and you missed out, we're sorry. We'll do it again. (laughs) (laughs) And we want to invite you to this collaborative effort of Called to Peace and Held to Healed. It is going to be, I believe, a holy moment. It is going to be powerful because... Things that are really important to me are community and uh, worship (laughs) and just bringing people together, educating. And as I'm working with you and working with Sarah McDougall, just learning to help women tell the truth Mm -hmm. and understand the systems of abuse and see the light bulbs going on that it's not just about broken bones and bruises. There are so many other elements of destructive marriages. So we're going to unpack some of that, but we're also going to give women self-soothing ways to calm themselves. And of course the scripture and the worship thing, we're going to, we're going to drive that one home a lot. 
Um, so I am so excited and grateful to you for, for being willing to come do that with us. And we can only, we can only do a hundred ladies because of the space we're in, yeah. but I am someone who likes to do quality over quantity anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'd like to do our first one and do it well. And then next year we'll just ask the Lord for a bigger space. And, um, yeah, so I just want to thank you for being willing to come. And I believe that God is going to meet us and women are going to be just, they're going to be loved on. They're going to be helped. They're going to be held and they're going to be a step closer in their healing journey. And so, um, tell us where we can find you on social media and the web and all the good things. Well, um, our Facebook page is called to peace ministries and, um, and our website is the same called C A L L E D to peace, um, all spelled out, uh, org. And so you can find us there. I have an Instagram, but I'm not very good at it. And I'm on Twitter personally. So you can go to joy forest at both of those. Um, however, <laughs> I'm not that active. I have to say, <laughs> so I, I can improve on some things. You're, you're busy helping women. So we will give you a pass. It's yeah. way more important work than being on Twitter. So. Yeah. Well, and I have somebody actually doing our Facebook page now. So, um, I, I might post on there every now and then, but mostly it's, um, our social media person, um, Lauren, Yes. Lauren's a doll. She's amazing. Yeah. 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 All right, friend. Well, I thank you so much for all that you are doing and I pray for God to strengthen you and to equip you and that you find the rest when you need rest and that he will raise up more and more warrior sisters to help you in this fight. Amen. Thank you. Amen. All right. And thank you to all who are listening. As always, you can find us on Facebook at Held and Healed Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse. Or you can find me personally at HeatherElizabeth.org. And blessings to all of you. May you feel held and healed.